Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying listeners, I'm your host, and I am back at it this week with another new episode and recording from a different location this week as uh, we're traveling with some family. So I am propped up in a small office and in the middle of Illinois recording this show. So I don't quite have all of the gear, uh, if you would from my home studio, but I have enough to get uh, episodes produced and hopefully uh, the quality is just as good. Uh, I am actually in the process of upgrading, uh, adding a new mic, putting a mixer board, and then I guess you can call it an amplifier on the mic. And uh, so that should be in the first week of December. So that's good stuff. I'm very excited for that. That I hope will change, you know, the audio quality of the show and make it even better. Uh, you know, I think Hindenburg does a great job at where I'm at. And so I'm just, you know, hopefully, uh, at a point where this will be, um, better in terms of quality, if you would. I don't know. Anywho's. So that's coming soon and I'll make that announcement and hopefully we'll see a big significant difference between you know, like a show today versus, a, you know, or a show last week versus, you know, a couple of weeks down the road here. So, so with that being said, a few things, uh, to get, uh, covered before we get into the topic at hand today is we are going to finish Esther, uh, next Tuesday. So on normally when we do like bonus episodes, that's, uh, going to wrap up Esther. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to follow my preaching sermons, uh, for the Christmas series that I'm doing in the church and use that as our Christmas series, similar to what I did last year. So that will begin, uh, with the next, uh, Friday on December 3rd, since this will drop on the 26th of November, December 3rd is the next Friday. So the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th will follow our Christmas series. And then the uh, 24th, we'll have a Christmas Eve 
short little uh, episode and then probably produce one on Christmas Day as well. And then we have uh, a big episode dropping the following Saturday. So the 31st we'll have it. We'll go back to our series. We'll actually pick up with Zachariah. But the 1st of January, we'll have a bonus episode. And that is going to be a rant-a-thon. It's going to be basically just a, you know, here's the problems that we've seen in the church in the last 365 days. Let's talk about them. Let's get them off our chest. I have a panel of people coming on, and I'm not going to say who they are just yet. I'm keeping you all in suspense, but uh, I think that will be made public uh, December 10th. So be... Uh, on the lookout that Friday. So I'll be on the lookout for that. We are recording the ninth. So I want to make sure we get the episode done and it's processed through if you would. So, so be on the lookout, a lot of content coming down your way. Um, I am in the process of working with somebody to produce an episode that kind of discusses the differences between the Lutheran theology and the Baptist theology. And I'm working on that. I hope to have it done by the end of December, if not sooner. That is my goal. And as always, you know, Anthony and I are back to producing content on a matter of truth. So make sure you check out that podcast. Uh, We just had a fantastic guest, Dave Jenkins, who came on and joined us to discuss his latest book. So go and listen to that episode and get your uh, fill in. So I recording this the day before Thanksgiving. So, um, I did it, had the honor of preaching a Thanksgiving sermon, uh, this past Sunday night, and I posted a clip of it up on my Instagram page and I, um, pray that you would have the opportunity to go and watch it. So the link is in my bio, Quorum Dale Life. You can catch it on Instagram. It's on YouTube, uh, is where the, all of our sermons are, but one thing that really resonated me with me in that sermon that I preached was this concept of being, you know, what are we thankful for? And all of these things in life we can be thankful for, uh, you know, our health, our food, our family, our friends, our job, our possessions, all these things are all well and great. But if as a Christian, if we miss the point that Thanksgiving isn't just one day a year, it's every day of the year. And our thankfulness runs vast and wide to every blessing that God gives us. But most importantly, all of that pales in comparison to Jesus Christ. And so with Jesus, we have all of that wrapped into one. And so he's our greatest reason to be thankful uh, this Thanksgiving and this season and this year. And even through all the toils and troubles that people have experienced in the last two years, Christ remains true. So, uh, you know, this episode, you'll probably listen to it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is, post Thanksgiving, obviously. But just think about that for uh, the next couple of days and just put that in the back of your head. What are you truly thankful for? What what has this year played out for you? And even if it wasn't in your strengths, even if it was one that uh, just was absolutely crippling to you, what are you thankful for? Because at the heart of it all is still Christ and he still remains true. So as I mentioned, we have today, uh, we will be focusing on episode seven and eight. And then next week we'll do nine and 10, which will drop on Tuesday. So we will have uh, both episodes completed uh, within the next handful of days. And then 
we will wrap up Esther. And so that means we move on to the next series. Uh, But as I mentioned, we're going to take a break for Christmas and then we'll pick back up with this series after Christmas. So a lot happening on a darn night and uh, staying busy. So there's a lot of really good stuff coming our way. I'm, I'm praying that it'll be edifying for you and you'll enjoy the content that we produce. So, uh, that's that guys uh you know the patron deal if you want to come join us dollar a month or more you can join us get all the access you need and want and get all the behind the scenes looks and direct contact with me on a regular basis on our discord server or instagram channel dollar a month gets you access to all of that no tears no fluffiness no any other junk in the way one dollar so that's that Let's get into the show. Like I said, we've got two chapters to work through. Uh, Chris from Ezra Reads the Law was gracious enough to uh, record these last few chapters for us. So let's uh, go ahead and get into that now. Here is chapter seven and eight. Esther, chapter seven. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast... The king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be granted me for my wish, and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he? Who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe and enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine, as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the queen said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence, in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose words saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, fifty cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. Esther, chapter 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, 
Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, if it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, which he wrote to destroy the, king, the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to, to, to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day. And an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews. To the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. On one day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. A copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to make vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service, rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a great golden crown, and a robe of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews, for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, your work definitely is appreciated. And I know we have conversations and I thank you. And I tell you how gracious this is for me because I am, I think it's unique. It's a different and fun way to uh, share God's word. And it's not just me babbling. And uh, I like these like collaborations. And so, you know, if you're a, um, any person who thinks you have a uh, radio voice or wants to uh, do anything like that, send me a clip of you reading some passages and I'd love to get you to read a chapter or something on an upcoming show. I think that would be fantastic. So 
we have a short chapter in uh, in seven. It's only uh, eleven. Actually, it's only ten verses long, and chapter eight is relatively short as well. It's seventeen verses. So we're going to work through this stuff pretty quick. Uh, in chapter seven, we have essentially two parts here. We've got Esther reveals uh, Haman's plot, and then Haman is hung. Now, verse fourteen of chapter six essentially starts this. Uh, process. So this is a kind of a carrying on thought, if you would. Uh, so when we open the text and we get to verse two and we see this uh, half my kingdom, as we get to the back end of verse two, we have uh, there's just a note that's throwing us back to chapter five, verse three. And basically it's this when Ahasuerus ex- uh, extravagantly offers Esther virtually a- anything she wants, she repeats this offer in verse 6, and here again in chapter 7, verse 2, an identical offer is also made to a Herod Antipas of Salome in Mark chapter 6. So just a little side note. Now, uh, moving on into verse 3. Again, as I'd mentioned last time, or in a few times on the show, Esther's not you know, the most, uh, I don't want to say engaging, but it, 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 it is a drier historical book. And, and I do have to be honest and say that it's, it reads just like history, uh, because that's what it is. There's no, you know, if I mentioned numerous times, God isn't explicitly being demonstrated here or mentioned or showing up. And so it's just a story of a period of time when the Jews were in captivity and it's, you know, and how all of this kind of comes together. But again, as I've mentioned, it's a book that's generally not preached on, not taught on, has very little to ever even be referenced. I, you know, write a sermon. I probably would never reference Esther unless I'm talking about uh, the Jewish nation and really more specifically in this time period, would I actually ever reference Esther? Uh, so I just want to really and you know play that that is once we leave esther then we will get into in my opinion much more rich theology and we'll get into a lot of really interesting stuff as we go through the prophets and the psalms and proverbs and ecclesiastes and you know the the wisdom books and stuff like that so i'm very excited but i still love and respect esther i think it's a wonderful book but it just for those who um are looking for something a little bit richer or deeper it's definitely not that book so Moving into verse three here, we've got uh, this word if placed right as uh, Queen Esther answers. If I have found favor in your sight, O king, Esther uh, prefaced her request with two conditional phrases. That is wish and request. And Ahasuerus had used these words when asking Esther what she wanted back in verse two. Uh, She repeated them as she begged for her own life and that of her people, whom she did not identify. By patiently honoring her husband, Esther won his sincere care. A sub-theme here in Esther. Consider Ahasuerus' concern for Queen Esther in contrast with the earlier contempt uh, for Queen uh, Vashti. And verse 4, the word sold shows up. Bribe is paid uh, by Haman to Ahasuerus, destroyed, killed, annihilated. Uh, Esther quoted the wording of Haman's written decree. The slaves may reflect how Haman deceived the king when making his original request. And the loss to the king is Esther's es- uh, intimated, intimated 
that the king would uh, offer, suffer a great loss if he ex, uh, executed this decree. So that's what's happening here in these first couple of verses of chapter 7. We're seeing this, the plot is being revealed that Haman wanted to essentially eradicate the Jews. Uh, words like destroy, kill, annihilate, uh, all were in this uh, decree that he had written. And verse 5 uh, is either Ahasuerus is either pretending uh, ignorance of Haman's decree or was uh, oblivious to what he had per, uh, permitted back in chapter 3. So, because this is what verse 5 says, then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, who is he, where is he, who has dared to do this? So, could be shown his ignorance, could show how he's just oblivious to what's going on, not putting two to two together. Uh, so, a foe and an enemy, uh, as Esther says here, as uh, this wicked Haman, in breathless excitement, Esther labeled Haman as her people's vicious adversary. Haman was terrified for he knew that there was little hope for him and the fear previously felt by the Judeans now filled his heart. That fear that the Jews had is now in Haman's heart. So let us move on here. Let's summarize these uh, couple of verses here. And as I mentioned, this goes from Verse 14 in chapter 6 through verse 6 here in chapter 7, Haman hid from Ahasuerus the full consequences of his murderous plan to wipe out his people of, Ju uh, of Judah. The king may be deceived, but God is not. God sees through our motives and our inner meanings. God sees our every fault, large and small, open and hidden. But if we confess our sins, also those that are done in secret, he will forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So this is something that we have to understand that God is still working behind the scenes, even though he's not explicitly mentioned. He's still active in ensuring that his people are saved. So now we get to verse 7, and this will carry through the end of the chapter. And this is where uh, Haman is hung. Uh, so the king arose in his wrath. Ahasuerus was obviously angry at Haman, but he also uh, has realized his own guilt. He went into the garden place and left his wine to pursue sober reflection on what to do in light of changing situations. Dismissing a high official such as Haman would likely have significant political implications for the king. That Haman still held his office uh, is perhaps shown by the fact that the king left Haman and Esther together. And uh, Haman begging for his life is that the irony in this now that uh, he's begging uh, a Judean for mercy, even though previously he was uh, going to have them eradicated. Now he is begging Esther, a Jew, for mercy. Verse eight here, falling off, falling on the couch, Esther was reclining on a cushion during the feast. Uh, this is actually noted, if you would, in Mark, cha uh, Matthew chapter eight. Uh, and this is what Matthew eight eleven says. Jesus had in mind the messianic banquet of salvation in heaven. And there's a bunch of verses quoted. Uh, many from east and west, the Gentiles from all over the world recline. It was customary to eat while laying at one's left side. 
uh, or laying on one's left side, especially in formal settings. So how ironic that Haman, who wished to slay all the Judeans because of Mordecai's refusal to bow to him, now bows to Esther and the and the Jews. The assault of the queen, uh, Ahasuerus perceived Haman's actions as an attack on the queen, who had revealed his ill will. Such an assault would be high treason. So they cover Haman's face in preparation for his coming execution. Once again, the bag goes over Haman's head. Uh, this goes back to chapter six, uh, with his embarrassment, uh, or with his head, with his head covered, a gesture of mourning or embarrassment. So now we move into nine and we see the gallows standing at Haman's house. The towering gallows that were erected by Haman were widely visible and he was punished for a crime that he did not commit assaulting the queen, just as he had intended to destroy Mordecai, the people of Judah, though they were innocent of any crime. So Haman gets, can't say he gets what's coming to him, but he's essentially given this punishment for a crime he actually didn't commit. Now, if he was, you know, to follow through with actually murdering somebody or assaulting the queen or eradicating the Jews, maybe that would justify the punishment. But, you know, he's hung under the premise that he assaulted the queen, which he didn't. So let's summarize chapter seven, verses seven through 10. His, uh, Haman's end fulfills the words of Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it and a stone will come back on him who starts rolling it. St. Paul makes the same point. Whatever one sows, they will also reap. Galatians 6, 7. When we find ourselves entangled in sin and its consequences, our only escape is to turn in repentance to Christ and receive him, uh, and receive him forgiveness and renewal. Receive from him. So that wraps up chapter seven, which means we are going to get into chapter eight as we continue on our episode. So as I mentioned, eight's a little bit longer. This entire chapter is dedicated to Esther saving the Jews. So let's get into it. So the house of Haman, this is typical that the property of an executed criminal would be confiscated and rewarded to someone else. Esther was told that, uh, told what he was to her. And Ahasuerus finally learned of the relationship between his queen and Mordecai. In verse 2, this signet ring, the king's uh, signet ring authorized Mordecai to sign royal edicts, a power that had previously been granted to Haman. And over the house of Haman, further evidence for Mordecai, or that Mordecai had uh, replaced Haman. And this is what Ambrose says about this verse he says that commendable friendship which maintains virtue is to be preferred most certainly to wealth or honors or power it is not it is not wont to be preferred to virtue indeed but follow after it and this is coming from uh, one of his um, nicene and post-nicene writings verse three fell at his feet, wept and pleaded. Esther's plea, accompanied with great emotional gestures, is intended to move the king to be merciful to the Judeans. Uh, this Hebrew word uh, pleaded here is the same word used back in verse 8 of chapter 4 when Mordecai had asked Esther to approach the king on behalf of her people. And this advert 
uh, the evil plan of Haman. He is now dead in his edict, but his edict lives on. So now we have to move and Esther has to save the Jews. Uh, verse five, if it pleases the king, Esther pref- preference her previous request to the king with similar conditional phrases back that we just talked about in chapter seven, but here adds two more revokes the letters devised by Haman. Either uh, Hester asked Ahasuerus to nullify Haman's decree, which had gone out in the king's name. And this uh, calamity uh, or evil, my people, my kindred, Hester un- unabashedly identified herself with the Judeans. And Mordecai the Jew, his uh, heritage is uh, emphasized. He's intended to lay hands on the Jews. Actually, Ahasuerus had initially ordered Haman's execution because of his perceived attack on the queen. That's what we've talked about a few minutes ago, that he was more of a perceived attack, something that was obviously not completely true. Moving into verse 8 of chapter 8 here. You may write as you please. Previously, Haman held that right. This edict cannot be revoked, though it was impossible for the Persian king to recite any decree that had gone out in his name. Issuing a second decree counters the effects of the first. So the third month on the 23rd day, the second decree is issued 70 days after the first. Uh, And the scribes had translate this edict in the language of 127 provinces in the Persian Empire, also to the Jews in their language. It was translated into Hebrew, indicating that the Judeans had retained their own language. And these were uh, distributed to the 127 provinces by uh, carriers on swift horses. So messengers, you know, common way in this time period for messages from the king to go out into his people or throughout his kingdom. In verse 8, every element of Haman's decree back in verse 13 of chapter 3 had its counterpoint in the edict issued by Mordecai to gather and defend their lives. Haman's decree had stated that the Persians were, were to attack Judeans who were now uh, who were now permitted to counterattack in defense, destroy, kill, or annihilate any armed force. Mordecai used Haman's wording with one significant difference, the Judeans would be fighting in self-defense, not as aggressors determined to kill. Women and children, the Judean women and children who might be attacked, plundered their goods. Haman had authorized to plunder the uh, condemned people, and Mordecai gave that same permission to his people. However, the Judeans did not plunder the possessions of their enemies. Moving into verse 12, on one day, the time limit was set that the killing would not go on indefinitely. 13th day uh, was the original day chosen by Lot for destruction of the Judeans. This goes again back to chapter 3 that we talked about. Uh, Verse 13, take vengeance of their enemies. Concept of revenge was deeply rooted in ancient biblical world and also recognized in Mosaic law. Mordecai uh, permitted the Judeans to retaliate against the enemies who would seek harm to them. Remember that Esther and Mordecai's first choice was simply to revoke Haman's edict, which Ahasuerus could not do. And verse 15, these royal robes of blue and white. Uh, after Haman's edict, Mordecai put on the sackcloth and ashes, verse 1, chapter 4. Now he was dressed in royal clothing because of his previous situation was completely reversed. Uh, and I 
just I, I like this because this is kind of the uh, foreshadowing of the Christian that we are essentially walking in our sackcloth and ashes now. But when we die and appear before Jesus, we will have put on our royal clothing. Our righteousness will be clothed in white, our sins washed clean. So Mordecai is second now only to the king. And earlier inhabitants here of Susa were thrown into confusion by the edict against the Judeans. All right, moving on to verse 16 here as we wrap up these last two verses in chapter 8. This morning, fasting and weeping and lamentating uh, lamenting was replaced by celebration among the Judeans. This verse also recited the in synagogue previous services to mark the end of the Sabbath and the feast. As the eighth reference to a banquet or feast declared themselves Jews, people of the land identified with the Judeans, not by cover, not by converting to the faith in Yahweh, but by sliding, siding with the Judeans in an ethnic sense. Fears that the Jews had fallen on them. People were afraid to attack the Judeans because they knew that the Jews would fight back and essentially defeat them. So. Chapter 8, in a nutshell, King Ahasuerus gives Mordecai permission to issue a decree that countermands Haman's decree. The Judeans were given the right to uh, to defend themselves if attacked and so take vengeance on their enemies. Self-defense is not forbidden in scripture, but Jesus has overthrown the law of revenge for believers. And that's Matthew 5, 38-39, the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so essentially the Christian now leaves vengeance to the Lord and to governing officials who are called to administer justice, Romans 12 and 13. If God would deal with us as our sins deserve, we would all be destroyed. But the Holy God has reversed the decree of eternal death against us because of his son's sacrifice on the cross. His love for us moves us to love even our enemies. So, here we are wrapping up chapters seven and eight, and we will, again, as I mentioned, wrap up Esther on Tuesday to ensure that we can have enough time for our Christmas series and work ourselves through that. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am so thankful for you to tune in. And I, again, if you uh, think you want to throw your voice on a mic and send me a recording of you reading some scripture and you would like to, you know, kind of pick up in some places and read as Chris has, I'd love to get, you know, my listeners to do so. So shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a, have had a blessed Thanksgiving and I am so excited myself for Advent. So I pray that God will bless you in this season until next week. God bless. Take care. Love you all. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.